Welcome to Chai with Ping. This is Ping Robert. In this podcast, I cover immigrant stories, cross-cultural experiences, and minority issues. Join me with a cup of chai and take a listen. Cannot laugh around in my intro. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Ping Robert. Welcome back to Chai with Ping, and thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. And、um, if you haven't subscribed already, please do hit that subscribe button or follow on your app. So when there is a new episode every two weeks, you can get a notification. And also, Chai with Ping podcast is also available on Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to see more pictures and do some interaction with me and so put some feedback. Um, I also put my life stories, like you know, just little bits of my life and and different things that I share on my Instagram and social media. So feel free to follow that. And then,、um, if you wanna support me in any way, I think one of the good way is that put a little rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts because like other people can see how you think about my show, and that can actually help my show to grow. And then also recently, Spotify started a new feature, so you can click that five star little button next to the the title of the show. And then you can support me from that. But of course, like there will be donation links if you want. So it will be in the episode note. All right, enough of the commercial thing.、Um, today we have a、um, very special guest, all the way coming from the U.S., but she's now living in India since 2010, and she owns an educational、uh, business which runs courses for people who are seeking. Uh, to learn English and Hindi, and she loves seeing people connect to each other through language learning, and she also loves fantasy novels and raining afternoons. Let's welcome Sarah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you like fantasy novels? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's my that's my Sunday afternoon right there. Ooh. What do you usually? <laughs> oh, what's your favorite novel? Um, my favorite novel. I mean, everyone loves the Harry Potter series, of、mm-hmm. course.、Um, but、uh, there's also a series called、um, the Historians of Saint Marys. I、mm-hmm. think that's the name, and、um, I love that series. It's a good series. Is Twilight also counted as fantasy novels? I'm not sure, but I'm not a fan, and I've never read them, so I can't、Ooh. tell you.、Okay. Have you seen the movies? No. No. <laughs> That's、okay. True. <laughs> yeah. So before we go deeper with the Hindi topic, I I think、um, we will have you to talk a little bit about your backgrounds. Like,、mm-hmm. what did you do, and then、uh, before you went to India? Oh, before I went to India, I was a kid. So、um, <laughs> how how old? <laughs> I played. I went to school. Yeah.、Um, so I I came to India for the first time when I was twenty two. So I had、okay. just graduated college. And knew that I was really interested in travel and living overseas, and so I came to India. India had always been top of my list, and so I came thinking, like, let's see. I came for six months, did some Hindi study, traveled, and then felt like, okay, I wanna, I wanna go deeper with this. So came back、um, as a student with a with a program, and then started learning Hindi. I grew up in New York. Yeah, I was never. I we didn't have any Indian friends when I was growing up, but we had a lot of Spanish-speaking friends, and so was exposed to kind of other languages. We traveled to the Dominican Republic when I was nine or ten, 
um, and Guatemala. So heard Spanish a lot growing up, but um, yeah, decided to learn Hindi for some reason. That is so cool. Like, what was your first impression when you went to India? Um, Did yeah, you land I mean, in Delhi? Yeah, I I remember leaving the airport and um, a, someone had come to pick me up, and just even just following them through the crowd of people who were oh, in front yes. of the airport yes. was like, I what if I remember thinking, what if I get separated from her and I die at the airport? <laughs> um, because, and you know, you're getting off the plane, you haven't slept, you're so jet lagged. So yeah. everything feels really dramatic. Yeah. And, and it was very hot because I came at the end of March. Oh. And so I, it was, it was hot. It was stuffy. There were more people than I'd seen ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I just remember thinking like, what if I, what if I lose her in the crowd and that I live here forever and then die? Yeah. Um, but once, you know, once I'd gotten some sleep, um, I almost immediately took a train ride um, out of Delhi and yeah. wow, that was amazing to go through the countryside and yeah. see, you know, the different, like the crops that were going at that time and go through these little towns. And um, I still, to this day, I think India is a place that is just so full of, I mean, it's so full of diversity and it's mm -hmm. so full of um, new experiences. Yeah. Like there's, around every corner there's always something new yes even after living here for 12 years you know i routinely have a new experience so yes uh, that is what i love about india yeah definitely i i think yeah i came to the 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 airport as well and it was very shocking for me because i i think the listeners most of them most of us we don't know so india mm -hmm. has a very special system like only the passengers or special like staff they mm -hmm. can go into the airport um mm -hmm. and i i guess if you need to be in the airport you need to pay and yeah you can pay yeah. for a pass Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. a lot of like drivers or family or friends who are mm -hmm. picking up the passengers from the airport, mm -hmm. they will stand outside. So it almost feel like when I saw the crowd for the first time, I thought that I was a superstar coming up on the airport. <laughs> and then there were so many people like, like taxi, taxi, anyone, taxi, ma'am, do Uber <laughs> or something like that. And, and it's just like, yeah. it, it is very different because like, mm -hmm. I, I've been to several airports i have never seen that happening it's just like everyone can go into the airport but mm. uh, yeah in delhi it was just very special yeah yeah it, it was a whole crowd and i had to follow my colleague and i was like <gasps> they found yeah. me instead of i found yeah them. yeah yeah so. and i think especially when you you know if you've lived here a while you get used to it it's normal mm. and then you forget that it's it's actually hard to follow someone yeah. in a crowd of people yes and so now like the the girl who picked me up right she just took off yeah and just went you know normal walking and i was struggling to keep up um and but now i do that to other people right <laughs> so someone someone comes like oh my gosh when my parents came yeah. i just I, I left them behind so many times and had oh. to remind myself to slow down and, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. don't don't take every opening make sure everyone can go and yeah, yeah it can and be especially for the first time yeah and crossing the street is a new experience i mean i'm from taiwan mm -hmm. so it's like the asian streets are not so different but like mm -hmm. still the indian streets are very hard for me to cross because there's so many things happening and i never know mm -hmm. but then 
Then one of the the person who took us over there for the trip, um, just dragged our, our us and then just mm-hmm. crossed the street. And then she said that, well, you you can never wait until everyone stops for you. I'm like, it's oh. true. I'm like, then she's like, just keep going, keep going. They will stop for you. <laughs> so, true. It's so true. I, was like, <laughs> I was in shock. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, the first time that I went from India to Thailand, mm. in Thailand, they do actually stop for pedestrians. Yeah. And I remember like being at a crosswalk and there was traffic coming. So I was waiting and then all of the cars stopped. And I was like, oh my gosh, they stopped for pedestrians. This is a great system. Everyone should have this system. What is it? And then I thought, oh, wait, they do this where I'm from. Yes. But now I live in India. Yes. This, but this this is not what we do in India. But actually in India now, I've come to appreciate where we kind of, you cross the street in a flash mob. Like you, you stand on the side of the street. Yes. You wait for, you wait for other people enough to come. People. And then when yes. there's enough of you yes. to make the traffic stop, yeah. then you all cross together. And oh, it's like yes. this instant little community that forms to make That's it across right. the street. It's fun. I remember, I've never talked to people about this thing, but I remember I usually just watch some other aunties. Uh-huh. When they go, uh-huh. I will go. Yes. And now it makes sense. Yes, a little uh-huh. community waiting for the for the cars to stop. And yeah. 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 It is, and and I I agree with you a hundred percent. I just feel like after moving to the U.S. now, mm-hmm. people ask me around, and then they say like, "What are the stories that you have in the U.S.?" I'm like, I told so many stories about India, oh. and then so I I started have this conversation. It's like with my friends, like, why do you think that I don't have many stories in the U.S.? And oh. I and he said that well. Many things are expected, right? And it's so similar uh-huh. to Taiwan or other like developed countries. But India, there's so many cultural differences, and we don't know about. So um, everything can be very new. And there's just a lot of life in India. There's yeah. always something happening. Yes, because a lot of our, especially in a small town, but even in a bigger place like Delhi, um, a lot of life happens in the open. So you're. And it happens in community. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot to see. There's a lot to observe. I I've told my friends here before, my Indian friends. I went to the states a few years ago for some meetings, and I got there a couple of days in advance to kind of you know get over jet lag. And so while I was there, I was like, oh man, I don't have any appropriate clothes for this meeting, so I'm, <laughs> I need to go shopping. Yeah. And so I asked my hosts like. Is there? I was staying at a hotel, but asked them, you know, where where can I get some stuff? And so they said, oh, there's a shopping center like a mile down the road, but that's a mile down the road. You don't really want to walk there. I was like, yeah, I, so that's that's nothing. So I, you know, I took off. I went a mile down, mile and a half, I think it was, down to the shopping center, got my stuff, walked all the way back. So a total of about two or three miles. Never saw another human face. Because no one was outside, mm. and everyone, every car that passed me had tinted windows. Yeah, and that would never happen in India. You know, yeah. like you, you don't walk a single block without seeing a human. That's so right. there's just there's so much more life in India. I feel like mm. that happens out in the open. You know, yes, and in yeah. the states, things are very like it happens in indoors, away yes. from other people. Where are you? May I ask? Just north of Delhi. 
Is it in UP or U- Uttarakhand? In Uttarakhand. Oh, in Uttarakhand. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. beautiful place. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you talked about why you moved to India and then how long you stayed there. But like, how did you start learning Hindi? Did you go to like a language school? So I used a program called OSLS, mm-hmm. which is based on it's it's immersion based language. So what that means is they really give they push you to get into relationships and community with native Hindi speakers or whatever the native language is, um, be in relationship with those people. So I was given strategies and techniques where I could learn language from just any random person. So I, in the very, very beginning, um, I would, I had a, you know, a book, there's a set of pictures of vegetables. So in the morning I'd have class and I'd ask my language helper, uh, you know, what's this, what's this, what's this, I'd get all the words for vegetables. I'd study those over lunch. And then in the evening, I'd go out and find a vegetable seller and ask him on his part, what's this, what's this, what's this, and, and have a conversation about those same vegetables. So it was all about practicing with people who just normal, regular people. And the value of that was to learn to speak, not like a grammar book, but learn to speak the way people sound. And so I did a lot of hanging out with people, um, you know, telling stories, a big part of OSLS. Once I got further into the program and could buy vegetables was, um, you know, to just to tell stories. So Aesop's fables or life stories, things that happened to me when I was 12. And, and then also learn to ask other people to tell me their stories and, yeah, it's a really good way to learn a lot of language and and understand the the way people think also. Yeah, I I didn't know that you started with OSLS. I thought like, you know, the first time mm-hmm. you went there was for another center or something like that. I also took this program for about one and a half years. So I finished at level one. Mm. And for me, it was counterintuitive because um, um i the in the beginning because i learned so many languages before hindi so hindi is like uh-huh. my fifth language foreign language uh-huh. i learned and wow. then and then i had to ask the helper to say the words right and then i have to record uh-huh. it and so uh-huh. i just felt like oh wow like there's no internet involved just just recording and then uh-huh. and then she would write down the words for people to read it out right like for uh-huh. example what we would use um, if we're talking about, about broccoli or potatoes, uh-huh. right? so so uh-huh. she wrote down those sentences. She asked me like, what kind of a sentence I would like to learn as well. But it's just uh-huh. like I spend so much time remembering how to uh-huh. say without seeing anything. Because at that time, uh-huh. um, you didn't start learning the the alphabets, right? The script, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in the very beginning, I, they had you learn letters yeah um because I remember what like I would be walking on the street or if I was taking a taxi or a bus somewhere mm-hmm. and just sitting there looking for letters and signs that I recognize like yes. oh yeah that's a pun yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah but yeah really not learning to read until probably well into month four or five mm-hmm. um yeah for sure but yeah. that like a lot of listening and a lot of 
memorizing yes. just a lot of vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. But I'm jealous that you had learned so many languages before because you know growing up in the US we're just we're not encouraged to learn other languages so i had taken spanish in high school for 2 years but that's a for most people your high school language experience is a terrible experience it just doesn't it's not practical and it's not fun and so i don't i didn't really i'm taking spanish classes now to kind of redeem that experience. But yeah, and then coming to India, actually, I had a friend ask me recently why I'm studying Spanish. And I said, you know what, because I feel uneducated living in a country where you ask people, how many languages do you speak? And they literally, their response is, yeah, only four or five. And you're like, seriously, <laughs> only four or five? How yeah. is that? Especially is South that Indians, only? right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, Hindi and English and also my village language and also Punjabi. And yes. I, I can hear a little bit of Malayalam and yeah. like, oh man. So speaking only two languages, I feel uneducated because I only got two. That's the proper use of only. So um, yeah, I think having a background and learning other languages is really helpful. And um, mm. But also I feel kind of thankful that my first honest experience of trying to learn another language was so fun yeah and so you know it it was very much connected to people which yeah. made it a really rewarding experience mm. um so i didn't come with a lot of baggage about how to learn or am i going to be able to learn yeah it was like okay this is fun i'm yeah. i'm learning things and connecting to people and Yeah, we'll definitely get into your experiences a bit later. But I think a lot of listeners who are listening must be wondering, Hindi, <laughs> like many people will know about Spanish or French or German mm -hmm. because th those are like commonly taught languages. But let's give a little background, brief information on Hindi. You know, it's so interesting in India, all the Indians will tell me that the Hindi script is uh, derived from Sanskrit. Yes. And so a mm -hmm. lot of students will learn Sanskrit at school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, okay. is a kids dead learn language. Sanskrit here. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's just like, oh, you learn Sanskrit, but then you don't really use it. Sanskrit is still used in religious ceremonies. Yes. So a but lot no of mantras really and chanting happened yeah. in Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do do people talk in Sanskrit? I don't think so. I have been told that there are some places that still speak in Sanskrit, but I'm not sure. Okay, because I know yeah. that Tibetans they speak Tibetan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then the feature of Hindi, I will say it's alphabetical. So it's relatively easier than Chinese <laughs> or, or other yeah. languages based on characters. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, for mm -hmm. me, it is so much easier because it, if I learn how to speak those letters or, or alphabets, mm -hmm. then that's how it's spelled out. And usually yeah. there's not much exceptions. For English, there are so many exceptions. So I need to remember right. those words. So yeah. actually Hindi script is even easier than English writing yeah. because it is strictly phonetic. Mm -hmm. So whereas in English you have like PH is the F sound, yeah. who in their right mind decided that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Hindi, um, one letter for one sound, it always makes that sound. Yes. Forever and ever the end. Yeah. yeah. 
And I find it very interesting because a lot of um, languages will have that form. I haven't learned uh-huh. Ar- Ar- Arabic or like Korean or Japanese, but I uh-huh. know that when you put a consonant with a vowel together, like the consonant kind of change its its uh-huh. shape. So that's also uh-huh. happening in Hindi, for example. A it will be some some little tails or little antennas on the on the top. Matras. Yes. Uh-huh. So, so that's how you spell it out. And then, so it's not as long as every mm-hmm. alphabet. It kind of changes form when the, uh, mm-hmm. the vowels are in the, in the word. And also mm-hmm. something stood out for me is the verb. So it is a subject, object, verb, and verb. Uh, language. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like the verbs are in the end. And I don't mm-hmm. know, like, did you find it easy to remember? Um, no, it's definitely a different way of listening. Um, because yeah, English speakers are used to the verb being up pretty close to the front. Yes. And so you, you know, immediately kind of what happens and, um, you can less listen less intensely at the end. Um, but in Hindi, the intense part of the listening comes at the end because you have to wait till then to find out what happened. So it is a different style of listening. And in the beginning, it did feel like, oh, I'm trying to put this puzzle together. But the really important part is not is missing. When is it coming? So yeah, yeah. yeah, it does. It does take an adjustment in how you listen. I realize a lot of native speakers, they kind of drop the, the front part, but they emphasize on the verb part. Right. So because in Hindi, you, um, you can also tell gender from the verb. Yeah. Um, so in in Hindi, in the verb, gender and also time are all present and wrapped up. So there's yes. a lot of phrases where you can you can leave off the pronoun, especially mm. if you're in a conversation where yes. there's a lot of context. Yeah. You can leave off the pronoun at the beginning because it's mm. obvious from the ending that you were talking about the woman in the story or the man in the story. That's right. There are two genders in um, in Hindi. Whereas some other languages will have like more than one or two. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have a strictly masculine, a strictly feminine, and then there's a respect. There's a respect form also. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Um, I thought that respect form is only for people. Is it true? Um, It would also, you would use it for plurals. Oh yeah, that's right. The respective mm-hmm. form and the plural form. That's right. The mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. verb changes. So it's called conjugate. It there yes. are conjugations mm-hmm. in Hindi as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any other feature that you would like the listeners to know? Um, I think one feature that really can trip people up, especially coming from an English background, mm-hmm. is that whereas in English we have prepositions, so yeah. pre. Um, so you would say it's in the cup and yeah. in comes before the object yeah. in Hindi, we have post positions. That's so they're right. after the object. So you don't say in the cup, you say the cup in. Yes. And yeah. So that trips a lot of people up. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's also similar. I find that like a lot of similarities between Hindi and Mandarin Chinese. So then it was not very really? hard for me to grasp that. Yeah. The, the location, the preposition part. It's the same. Okay. So we interesting. will say cup in. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. For me, that was, that was almost harder than the verbs at the end. Yeah. Listening yeah. because yeah. especially when you would have kind of two or three objects. Yes. And you're they're they're on and under and you're like, well, I don't know which one is there, but 
there's yeah. something is under something. It's fine. That's right. That's right. And then uh-huh. it's like I found the alphabets are some of them are difficult to learn because before I met OSLS, I had an uh-huh. Hindi teacher on campus on the university campus that the 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 school hires for for us for international okay. faculty, um, uh-huh. and and they will say. Do, 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 so many times, but I couldn't tell the differences. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find it hard? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, in Hindi has several sounds that are not present in English, mm. and so for me, coming from that background was very. My my teacher would be saying these different sounds, and yeah. she would swear that she was saying different sounds, and yeah. I was like, I just, I think you're, I think you're lying to me. I just That's can't right. hear them. <laughs> Yeah, totally so, agree. Yeah, yeah. Can we yeah. give an example? Um, for example, I I say the right. So there are、mm. four kind of the sound that we cannot differentiate、yep. at the beginning, and then、yep. I think one thing that the teachers will be very helpful if they tell us where we can put our tongue. Yes. So so Hindi has、yeah. what two two pronunciation features.、Mm-hmm. There are dental and retroflex. Yes. So dental are sounds. That are made with your tongue, basically touching your teeth.、Mm-hmm. So it's at, at the top of, of yeah, it's yeah. it's made at the roof of your mouth, but all the way in the front, so that you're touching the back of your teeth.、Mm. So that would be like a the.、Mm. But then they also have retroflex, which is if you move your tongue back into your mouth, and where your where the roof of your mouth, the top of your mouth starts to go up. Yeah. Um, then that's where you make the the sound from there. So the so that's dental、oh. and retroflex. Yes, we have that in in the sounds and also t sounds. So yes, the and the the yes. Uh huh. Um, and then we also have what are called aspirated and unaspirated. Yeah, when、so、air is coming out. Exactly.、Yeah. So the difference between the and the. Mm. Or the and the,、yeah. those are very subtle differences, and so yeah, in the beginning, hearing those and also making those were yeah, definitely yeah. yeah. But after learning Hindi for you know these years, I realized there are rules like, and then I realized that Indians speak in a different accent, so. A lot of people tell me that Indian accents is very hard to understand, but then when I learn <laughs> Hindi, I'm like. I think you just need to push your tongue to the back, and then that's、mm-hmm. how they speak. They speak with a bigger tongue, and and so and then their pronunciation. For example, they they won't say tomato like toe. They will say、mm-hmm. tomato. So that's also from their native language, right? So, so like, and that that would be true of my Hindi, right?、Yeah. My Hindi definitely has. English influence, so yeah, my accent yeah, yeah. is is more English sounding.、Yeah. Um, so yeah, whatever second and third and fourth languages we're learning,、um, we definitely have the influence of our of our mother tongue on those、yes. languages. Yeah. So, so I encourage、yeah. those people just keep listening. Like you will get、yeah. it because Indians don't change their accents so easily. It's just they stick the same. So after some time, you will understand what they're saying. I think that's true for all accents, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 
I, I feel very comfortable hearing a South Asian accent. Yeah. But then when I go to East Asia, oh man, then it's a whole new accent. Yes. Um, and it takes a couple of days to kind of mm. warm up and, or even like when I've traveled in Europe yeah. and you go from a French accent to then a Spanish accent. And like, oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. yeah, it, yeah. it takes your ear a couple of, a couple of days to warm up. Definitely. Since you've been learning Hindi for so long, what are some <laughs> of the strategies that you would use or OSLS or any other school that you've been to for, for you to learn Hindi a little better or faster? Hmm. Yeah, so I would say you might have already picked this up. My number one strategy is spend a lot of time with people, um, just hang out. And even if it's not like I'm an introvert, so that was a big challenge for me was to actually have enough energy to go spend time with people. But even if you're not directly having a conversation with someone, just sitting here and listening to other people talk can be really valuable because you're hearing what, the, you know, a natural speed, they're, you, they're not kind of dumbing it down for you. You're hearing what they would, you know, na normally naturally say to another first, um, like a heart language speaker that can be really valuable. So spend a lot of time with people and around people, do a lot of listening because listening does start to help with, you know, those things of accent and pronunciation. Um, and then learn words in context. So I think a lot of people come at language learning with this idea of, okay, I'm going to have a list of a hundred words and I just have to learn these words. And while you may kind of know the definition of the word, you don't know how to use it, right? You yeah. don't know the subtlety of how to put that into a sentence and, mm. you know, when it's appropriate to say when it's not. Yes. So I would definitely um, say it's really important to learn words in a context. So at least put them into a sentence. So you remember, you know, where in a sentence they could come and be used and, um, and then I think learning the, learning the culture behind the language is really important because the way that something gets phrased is um, it's not just a language feature. It's a feature of thought. It's how people think, how people organize information. And that really comes down to culture. So I would definitely say the more you understand of a culture behind a language, the more natural of a speaker you're going to be because you are you're picking up on idioms and the ways that people organize their thinking and the way it's polite to say things. So those are some strategies that have really worked for me. Yeah. I wonder, are there any examples that you remember about the language and the culture? For me, is like I, in the very beginning, I learned how to say command forms because I need mm. people to do things for me. And then mm -hmm. I realized that, oh, it's not as long or polite as in English because like in mm -hmm. English it will be like could you bring me water but then mm -hmm. I can basically just use bani lelo <laughs> mm -hmm. or, or something like that it's mm -hmm. just very short and so mm -hmm. I was not very comfortable with that very sharp command I don't mm -hmm. know like what what examples that you encounter that you feel like oh this is a very new culture yeah so I think the idea of having different words to show respect is a really key one 
um, in English, now I realize in English, we just don't have a lot of ways to show respect with our word choices. Um, but in Hindi, we have a lot of options for showing respect to people. Um, I think another one is that Hindi, once you get into kind of more complex grammar and communication, I, you start to realize how much Hindi uses the passive voice. So often instead of saying, um, you know, I've made dinner, you would say something like dinner, dinner has been made. And um, it can feel really odd in the beginning for an English speaker to use passive so much. We're actually told in communication classes to, you know, don't write in passive and use active language. Um, but I think you start to notice as you hear the way that people use it, it can often be a way of um, like deflecting attention from yourself. So um, cultural ideas about humility or, you know, giving credit to the group and not to yourself. Um, I think that really, you can see how that starts to play out in language in the ways that people will speak in, in what situations people speak in the passive. Mm, this is so interesting because I, I never realized it like dinner is uh, ready that kind of thing I, it came so natural because we also said that in uh -huh. Mandarin. and then uh -huh. so i never thought it was a, a new culture language culture point for other people yeah. yeah yeah i think coming from a western background where you know it in general we're pretty yeah. comfortable directing attention to ourselves yeah moving into an asian context where mm -hmm. Um, it's more about the group and it's supposed to be less about you as the individual. Mm, yeah. I think that can take some, it, it, it takes some attention to do. Yeah. And then also the, well, before we were recording and we were also talking about, you know, the, to me, the passive voice. Mm -hmm. It's like, for example, mm -hmm. if I want to say I like something, Mm -hmm. it, yeah, in Hindi, it will change. So regularly, we'll say I as meh, but then if I like something, so basically it's uh -huh. like, for example, I like water. Uh -huh. it, won't, it won't be like meh, it will be muche. Uh -huh. Which is to me. Yes, it's to me. So uh -huh. it makes me feel like pleasure or like pleasant. Uh -huh. So it's uh -huh. very different. And then I need to change that subject form. So that's right. something new for me. Right. And, and the same thing is, is true with like illness. Mm. So um, in Hindi, you would say like, Mujhe zukam ho gaya. I, a cold has happened to me. Oh, yeah. Whereas in English, we say like, I got a cold. Yes. Which is yes. so interesting yeah. because actually I think the Hindi way of saying it makes more sense. The because you didn't caught you. <laughs> right, right. Because I in like in my English classrooms, I will explain to students, Hindi speaking students, we yeah. say I got a cold. And they're like, yeah. why did you get it? Where what you know, why would you go out and get such a thing? And it's like, I I don't know. That's that's weird that English yes. speakers assume so much agency over getting sick, but we just we do. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were just, yeah, it feels like the, the cold is in the air and they caught us. So then that's it just why came to me. Yeah. Why would you actively get it? Um, yeah. So there's things like that where, uh, yeah, yeah it's just a different way of 
speaking, yeah. but it actually points to a deeper kind of cultural understanding of, of how you might happen to become sick. Absolutely. And also you were talking about the respective form. I think that's also uh -huh. going back to the culture. Like for uh -huh. a lot of Asian culture, we do have respective form when we're uh -huh. talking to elders or, or uh -huh. our boss or superiors. Uh -huh. But like in English is more like we can call our boss by name, which is like still uh -huh. for me. I still uh -huh. don't feel very comfortable to call my boss his name. Uh -huh. And it's just uh -huh. the culture. Yeah but, yeah, but it also says a lot. It's like in English, it's more like a equality or or more casual, I would say. It's more casual, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I think you're right, just more um more expectation that things will be equal. Yeah. Um or egalitarian. Mm. But um now I really miss it. Like in Hindi, so there's different verb conjugations to show more respect or to be more casual. So you can you can modify your language to show someone a lot of respect or to just be more friendly, which actually when I started learning Hindi, I learned the very respectful form. So there's there's even three different versions of you. There's op, which is very is polite. Yes. There's sum, which is very Regular. like that's friend. Yeah. That's a you know, people you're equal with. Yes. Um, and then there's tu, which is very kind of intimate and and actually you can use it yeah 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 and so um i learned the very polite form up and that's what i did all of my drilling in and that and so to this day i have friends who will occasionally say why do you keep saying up to me i'm your friend you should be saying boom don't be so formal with me and i <laughs> i just can't do it i can't because i yeah. learned the polite form and so, um, yeah, I really appreciate that about Hindi. But then also we have um, words like Didi and Bhaiya, which mean older sister or yeah. older, older brother. That's right. Um, we call people uncle and auntie. Um, you put G on the end of names. Yeah, the respected person. Yeah, yes. which just kind of is a way to show respect. Yeah. And, and now when I go back to the U.S., I... I feel the lack of those words because it feels like there's no way to express to someone respect for them or to express that I, I really appreciate you. You're like my older brother. I don't get to call anyone that. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really love that about Hindi and I miss it when I'm in an English environment. Yeah, I feel like both of us were standing at the crossroad because we also teach another language. So, for example, mm. I taught Mandarin Chinese to Indians, but I'm also learning Hindi. And same as you, you're teaching English and learning Hindi. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. then you can compare. And so, for example, yeah. for the titles for relatives and all uh -huh. that. In mm -hmm. Mandarin Chinese, we have all those. So Indian students okay. grasp it so easily because they, okay. they already know Didi, yeah. Didi and, and like men or mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. uh, Dada and Dadi, like mm -hmm. grand, grandpa mm -hmm. and grandma. Mm -hmm. they, and mm -hmm. then uh, and Nana and Nani, so different mm -hmm. sets of grandparents. So they, mm -hmm. just, they, they just need to write it down and then remember those. They don't mm -hmm. need me to explain why there are differences yes. but then i think mm -hmm. american kids will be like why do we have four names for grandparents isn't that just grandpa yeah. and grandma <laughs> yeah.
Is there uh, yes. any interesting <laughs> stories that happen when you're trying to learn Hindi or practice? Oh man, so many. <laughs> Mostly, <laughs> I think you know when you're learning another language, it's really important to be able to laugh at yourself and um, not take, especially mistakes, not take them too seriously. So, um, I mean, even just really early on, back to vegetables, because obviously food plays a large role in my life. Um, you know, I would go out in the mornings and where I was living when I was studying Hindi full time was the next door were some vegetable sellers. And so in the mornings, they'd have their cart out and um, would be, you know, piling up vegetables to go sell for the day. And so if I, if I needed something, I'd go down there and, and get it from them. And I guess I just, I made so many mistakes while I was down there trying to practice. Word got around. And so it kind of felt like, you know, some people in the neighborhood would just kind of start to come and stand there to listen to my vegetable buying experience <laughs> and just be like, oh, what's she going to say today? You know, because there would be, there would be these aunties standing there just not buying anything, just yeah. listening and like, yeah. oh dear, this is... So I, I started having to buy my vegetables elsewhere because I couldn't <laughs> handle the pressure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. Learning language really taught me um, how much we judge people's intelligence by how well they are communicating. And so people, when you are communicating like a four-year-old, people treat you like you're a four-year-old and kind of almost without thinking, forget that you might have a college degree or... So it was often hard for me to just kind of swallow that and be like, okay, I understand that that's how I'm communicating. So I'm going to just continue hearing the language I need to learn and um, so one time I was, I really wanted plants for, I had this little tiny veranda in my apartment and I wanted some plants. So I was asking my language helper um, where I could get some. And I was also asking her for the words, you know, like pot and dirt. And um, I'm going to go to the store. So what words do I need to know? And she kind of assumed that I didn't know how to pot a plant. And so she started, she started, give, she drew me a whole diagram about put this much dirt in and then put in the pot plant and then fill in the dirt. And, um, and she just was explaining it to me like I had never seen a plant before. And I, you know, my first, my first instinct was like, well, <laughs> I know how to pot a plant. But then I realized, mm. okay, she's saying the words I need to know. Yeah. I'm learning the vocabulary I need. I'm, yeah. I'm learning full sentences yes. for the things I might need to explain. So I'm just going to ignore the fact that she just assumed I know nothing. And I'm just going to learn the words here that I need to know. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that happened a lot. And it's made me really careful now when I'm interacting with my own students or with, you know, someone who I'm interacting with in English and that's not their first language, their intelligence is not based on how much, how well they're communicating in English, right? They might have a PhD in some other language, but for some reason, we almost, without thinking about it, grade people's intelligence based on how well they're communicating with us. That's not always a good, a good measure. Absolutely. It's humbling to learn a new mm -hmm. language. 
because I also need to suck it up for you know when people are trying to correct me, but then uh-huh. they they don't want to save my face. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm from a, a culture of saving face. Face is so important, but mm-hmm. they're like, no, 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 no. You should say this. Yeah, and then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I know I don't pronounce it perfectly, but it doesn't mean I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. I, I can feel you. I can relate to you. Yeah, but mm. I also feel like I don't know if you met those people who are very appreciative when you're trying mm. to speak Hindi with them. I had mm-hmm. that one incident right now. I still remember. It was in our college uh, campus, mm-hmm. and then I had some computer mm-hmm. problems, so I took my mm-hmm. laptop to the office, the IT office. You know, uh-huh. it's a university office, so I thought that they mm-hmm. would be talking in in English, but then I realized uh-huh. that no. So that guy is not really talking in much English. So then I sat down and I try my best mm-hmm. with my broken Hindi, try to mm-hmm. tell him. What is happening with my computer? Uh, and then so the whole thing, I was using very simple sentences because I didn't really learn uh-huh. that well. It's like maybe one and a half years. And uh-huh. then in the end, he said, "Ma'am, your your Hindi is very good." No. And I think he was very appreciative because I came to his his understanding uh-huh. and tried to explain in the language that he knows a little bit more. Well, uh-huh. a lot more actually. <laughs> uh-huh. So. But then on the opposite side, I think a lot of people that I met they want to speak in English with me uh-huh. Uh-huh. to to kind of prove that they have education. And uh-huh. so, for example, I went to the store also on campus, and then those Punjabi, you know, they they have those uh, turbans. Um, uh-huh. And then uh-huh. I'm trying to use my broken Hindi, saying that I want that juice behind you, uh-huh. and they say, oh. Man, we speak English, no problem. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I know, but man, Hindi still <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then so it's so broken, the grammar is so bad, but they started laughing. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. well, I need to practice. So I know mm-hmm. you guys can speak English. And I don't know you because you're American. So I guess so many more people want to speak English with you, right? Definitely both. I, I meet people in both camps, right? Yeah. So there are some people where they're, they're so nervous walking in. Um, and I think it's unfortunate that there is this dynamic of English is a, is a sign of education. So people do want to say like, well, prove themselves kind of like, yeah, I speak English. And I think that's really a sad dynamic. And so, yeah, so I definitely meet people where they feel kind of embarrassed I don't speak any English. They're feeling nervous. And so then when I start the conversation in Hindi, there's some relief there of like, oh, good. Okay. Um, and we can communicate. Um, and yeah, and then there's other people who they do, they do want to practice English. And so they prefer to communicate in that language. So I feel really thankful that I can do both. I think like you were saying about the guy at the IT company, right? And how he just like whatever you were trying, he took it and worked with it, you know? And I think um, finding those people when you're first learning is just so valuable. And I've, I'm so thankful for those people. So pretty early on in my time, I, I was babysitting someone's cat, which was a terrible experience that I will never do again. But um, the cat got out. I mean, they left the cat with me for like a week or something. It was so long. And the cat got out and I just, I woke up one morning and he was gone. And 
So I was, and they had kids. And so I'm imagining them coming back and the kids are, you know, sobbing because the cat is missing. And so I went all over my neighborhood asking people, have you seen this cat? And they're, you know, everyone's looking at me like I'm a lunatic. And I'm also very upset um, because I'm, I've lost these people's cat. And so when, you know, when you're very emotional, your other languages kind of disappear from your brain. And so I was having a really hard time communicating in Hindi. Also, I'd never had a class on how do I explain that I've lost someone's cat. So I don't even know half the words I need to know. And I, there's this one shop where I did a lot of my shopping and I stopped there and I was trying to explain to the shopkeeper, like this cat, and if you've seen it, and if you see it, please catch it and send it back to me. And he had like a line of customers and he just was like, okay, okay, sure. And he just, you know, like, yes, okay. And then so I left and I kept looking for the cat. Anyway, the cat came back of her own free will and was roundly scolded. But um, <laughs> then like two days later, I was back at that shop and then there was no one there. And so it was much, he was not busy. And he said, you know, a couple of days ago, you came and you were trying to say something about a cat but I didn't really understand. And, um, and I had customers, so I didn't really have time, but what, what's happening? Is everything okay? And I just, I felt so cared for that this guy, the shopkeeper is like, I didn't understand you at the time, but is everything okay? Like I can, I have time now, you know, explain it to me. And, um, yeah, those people who like, okay, you're not making a lot of sense, but I'm going to work with you and let's figure out how to, you know, Let's figure out what you're trying to say. Um, I, I love those people. And I'm like shopkeeper for life. I'm never shopping anywhere else. You have been so kind to me. Um, yeah, I think finding those people is really, really important and really valuable. Absolutely. Oh, man. Yes. We also lost a dog one time from our campus. Oh, and then all the faculty went out. And then, you know, we don't look like Indians. And then there were some American or like British faculty. We went out and then we took the picture in our hand. And then I don't really remember how to say the dog ran away. But we just we just <laughs> we just kept pointing. It's like, good good And then, yes. The next week, they met me and they said, "Did you find the Gouda?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah it there is. you go. You made an impression. I know it's so cool. And then I had a same similar experience with a veggie uh, vendor as well. They just care. Mm. And mm. then I, I think when they realize when I'm coming, they kind of. So I love mushrooms, but not mm -hmm. all the vendors because I was living in a smaller village. Mm, they kind mm. of show their care and their attention to me. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they will, like that vendor knows that I usually come around Sunday mm -hmm. and then there will be mushrooms. One day the vendor was not there. The neighbor mm. vendor. So it's so interesting because it's a whole street of mm. vegetable vendors. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> every, mm -hmm. every little stand is selling the same thing. But um, mm -hmm. the neighbor just told, told me that, oh, he's not here. He's on mm. a holiday like vacation that kind of like mm -hmm. to me so i'm like oh okay so they do know that i'm looking for him those little yeah. things that really warms my heart because like mm -hmm. even though i can't really communicate so well but they mm -hmm. see me they're still human they see us mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. care they want mm -hmm. to help were there yeah. any challenging times yeah, I mean, the, the whole culture shock adjustment process 
if you're in any place for longer than a couple of weeks, you really start to, to feel it. And so about nine months into the course, I just felt like, why am I doing this? This is not worth it. Um, how much are plane tickets home? So you kind of run out of energy at some point to continue doing all of these new things. But the problem is you haven't been there long enough to anything feels familiar and super easy to do, but you're out of energy to do anything that's not easy, but there's nothing that's easy. So um, that was a, that's a challenging time. And I think I said before, like I'm an introvert. So um, I love the communal aspect to life in India. I love that there's, there are always people, there's always something happening and, you know, there's vegetable sellers who know your routines and, but also, um, that is a challenge for the introvert side of me and finding ways to kind of get some alone time has sometimes been a challenge. I don't consider myself as an introvert, but I also uh-huh. found the noises, the honking uh-huh. happening, it very overwhelming. Like, don't you ever feel it was overwhelming to just stand on a street or just be because there's so many sounds yeah i don't i don't recall ever being the noise has i don't think has ever bothered me except at diwali my Mm. first diwali was incredibly stressful because i i was living with a girl um, at the time from concor and so she really wanted me to come to her hometown to see diwali and so i went with her And it was a whole kind of train drama getting there. And then in her neighborhood, it was the first time that a foreigner had visited. So a lot of the neighbors would just kind of come by to um, stare at me, which was interesting. And a lot of uncomfortable tea times with people just watching me. Um, and, and so my introvert, there was no introvert space whatsoever. Um, and then after three days of that, then Diwali starts and it's just firecrackers nonstop. Mm. I had to kind of go up to their roof and just, that was my, that was my first panic attack ever in life was just having been so peopled out, so stressed out for three days. And then all of this noise and it just, Diwali is a very intense sensory experience. So that was very stressful. But normal traffic noises, I I don't, maybe it did in the beginning, but I can't remember back that far uh, that it was, it was too stressful. Yeah, I think traveling is very tiring because like we lose Mm -hmm. our own little private space. Yeah. There are people everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else? that you would like to mention that you forgot to say before we jump into your business part? I don't think so. It's been a fun conversation. I know. Yeah. So I know that you have the internet, well, not international education center or business Uh that you would like Uh to introduce to our listeners. Uh Why don't we talk about that? One is called Hindi Gateway. Yeah. So the business that I have, we, we run language classes in both directions. So Hindi learning for expats and English learning for Hindi speakers. We right now we've just launched a program for children. So children whose families would like them to learn Hindi. Um, It's called Hindi Gateway. um, It's hindigateway.com. And the, the principles that it's based off of come from OSLS. 
which my company now runs and owns. And so the principles are learn to speak like your neighbors. So it gets kids doing a lot of listening. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of fun activities. And it's each unit has five lessons. And two of those lessons are meant to be done with an in-person Hindi speaker Mm. as a teacher. So Mm. learning and it's learning stuff that kids are really interested in. And so like adults, I don't think I ever did a Hindi class on games, but we have a whole unit of lessons about Indian games for kids. So that's been a lot of fun to put together this year and to see kids start using and and start learning from has been really rewarding. What if like people are in different states? Do you guys offer like virtual options for the training? So for adults, we have the OSLS program and Mm -hmm. the training with that is is about a week long. It's three to four days. Mm -hmm. And in three to four days, we cover all of the strategies to do immersion-based language learning. Mm -hmm. And that we have done online. Since Mm -hmm. COVID started, we've offered that online. Right now for kids, we don't have an online class option. That's something that we plan to add in the future. But right now for kids, it would require an in-person Hindi speaker to help them. Mm. Um, but yeah, for adults, we we have done the, the class online yeah. and it's worked really well. Mm-hmm. So what are the locations for the kids class? So kids classes, we, the you, parents can buy the book. Mm-hmm. And then they can use that wherever they are. So we're not offering the the in-person teacher-based classes. Those the teacher is something that parents need to arrange. We're just we just are giving the curriculum and the we have a lot of video and print resources available on the website that helps students do the self-study. But the two classes, the two lessons per unit. Um, that need a in-person Hindi speaker, that can be anybody. That can be your neighbor, that can be a, a friend, landlord, you know, whoever is around that your kids enjoy um, learning from, practicing with, that can be from anywhere. Got it. Cool. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. So listeners, if you're interested in learning Hindi or just know a little bit more about India, um, I think Sarah shares so much about the life and also learning Hindi uh, in this episode. If you have questions, feel free to shoot us and DM and then I would love to to know like your feedback and all that. Sarah, I hope that you're safe and healthy all the way in mm, India. Thank you. Yeah. And then maybe mm. in the future we can still chat again. Yeah. I think this is a really fun conversation. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. If you think someone will benefit from this episode, don't forget to share it with them. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you like my show, you can buy me some chai with small donations. Details are in the episode notes. Till next time. Okay, I'm ready. I'm see. gonna make an intro. <laughs> let me pop first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I might have. Oh, I should have done some vocal exercises before we started because it's 6 30 in the morning. Choking up or something like that. Then. Yeah. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I suddenly have an intense need to cough, so it's fine. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's Wait. go. <laughs> I need to calm down a little bit because I.